isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of antiwar.com, author of the book, Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, guys, introducing Wayman Chen. He is a researcher at the Austrian Economics Center, writing about global affairs and history and so forth. And uh, here he is at medium.com. This really great article, Nord Stream 2, The Value of German-Russian cooperation. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, it's going great, Scott. I've been a fan for a long time. It's an honor to be on your show. Ah, very cool. Happy to have you here. Uh, and I love this piece. The Nord Stream 2 project. Oh, no. It's at the expense of Texas natural gas companies, and I'm supposed to be emotional about that, I think, but you have a counter-argument. Right, yeah. So, I mean, from the U.S. perspective, of course, as you mentioned, there's this... Uh, you know, uh, Texas natural gas perspective. And, but, uh, if you look at it from across the Atlantic, from the perspective of, uh, of Germany and Russia, I mean, you look at it from the, the historical perspective and it's, it's, it, you have to wonder and you have to really think about how, uh, they've really not gotten along in the past. Um, uh, but it's a it's a complicated history because you know you have the first world war where they they fought each other the second world war, um, you know the drama of the interwar period. But then the cold war period is even more uh, complicated where half of Germany was like on the side of the USSR, then the other half uh, siding with NATO and the United States of America, and both of them consuming Russian gas. Um, and so uh, it's not as uh, simple as uh as the the american lawmakers might uh, might portray it as mm -hmm. that's interesting during uh, throughout the cold war the west was still getting their energy from uh west germany that is was still getting their getting energy their, from uh, the russians the yeah that's as far as i understand because uh, after um you know like a decade or so after the second world war um, Germany and the rest of Western Europe was, you know, rebuilt and their economies were coming up, but they, they needed, um, energy sources and the closest was, was still Russia. So, and Russia was, uh, at the time, you know, they had to earn money somehow, right? So they went ahead and, uh, made deals. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the details, but they, they, they supplied the gas to, to, to earn a little bit of, uh, scratch and then, 
um, the West was able to get cheap uh, energy sources or relatively cheap energy sources. At the time, of course, um, they were uh, working with uh, trying to use nuclear energy, um, but um, that became less popular after Chernobyl in the 80s. Um, I'm not an expert at uh, like European energy portfolios or anything, but uh, but that's that's as far as I understand. The West was buying uh, natural gas from uh, from Russia at the time. All right. Well, and hey, famously, they never did fight. I don't know if that had much to do with it. Um, I would, I guess, probably not. But uh, yeah, probably not, it wasn't. As, yeah, it wasn't as big as a, a factor. But maybe it was something. And if it was something, then that's something that uh, we could hopefully foster into the future with Nord Stream Two. Um, that's the you know positive way of spinning it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So back to where we started here with the Texas natural gas, you know, there's this quote from, okay, I'm 99% sure it's Strobe Talbot, but I got what Biden's got lately, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was um, Bill Clinton's roommate at Oxford, Strobe Talbot, who, you know, worked for him and his government and everything, uh, who was one of the major advisors behind NATO expansion. He was asked about like, geez, you got any regrets, pal, or something, you know, and he was saying, I'm not sure. I forget now what the context was. I think it must have been the context of the war in Ukraine or something. And he was saying, well, you know, look, when you're running a government, you do what you can in your nation's interest. And so that was our job. And if we'd not done that, then we'd have gotten in trouble for that, you know? So, but the thing of it was, and of course he's making excuses for himself, which is fine. But the point being that you know, it would be in America's interest to sell gas to Germany. We get money. Money's good. In fact, Texas money is even better because I'm near to it. So from Cantillion effects, I there's something kind of effects I might get in a little of it or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's, the, it's it, also in our same. interest, right, to not ever have a thermonuclear war. And we could be working really like any investment would be worth it now to put off a thermonuclear war a hundred years from now. And so Strobe Talbot and his guys, they might not be wrong uh, and they are wrong all the time, but they might be right in some short-term context that what they're doing is for America's benefit, but without looking at, at what cost for the future. And it seems like, maintaining a harmonious relationship between America and Russia and with Germany in the middle has got to be more important than just dollars for Texans, even though I am one. Right. It's, it's the same argument uh, that a lot of, let's say, like the arms manufacturers and anybody involved in the military industrial complex would argue that uh, you know, for their shareholders, their company future, this and that. Um, it's it's profitable to to uh, have these uh, these these conflicts in the world. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's in the here. It's the interests of of Germany and Russia. Uh, those are the main players uh, involved in uh, Nord Stream Two. Um, but then, as as you pointed out, it's like. Uh, I have a lot of criticisms of the European Union, in fact, but um, the maintaining a Europe that has gone without a, a major world war or any major like 
war uh, in the last uh, 70 years. It's uh, not that the European Union has been around that long, but um, it, it goes to the point of let's do everything we can to not have armed conflicts, and then we can figure out who supplies gas where uh, and who buys what from who um, in, a, in a state of uh, uh, without hostilities, you know, so that's, um, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. All right. So now tell us about, um, you know, the Obama, Trump and Biden government's positions on this, because things have really changed for the better now. Right. Uh, so it's always it's so Nord Stream 2 started in I think it was 2011 or 2012 uh, during maybe the tail end of the Obama administration. And then uh, no, wait, no, no, in the middle of the Obama administration and then into uh, the Trump years. And it was always uh, this back and forth of sanctions. And, uh, and then in 2014, the, um, the situation in Ukraine, uh, throwing another element into it. Um, but then just a month or two ago, uh, the Biden administration just reversed all that and said, hey, like, We've been holding up this weight of <laughs> sanctions and all this putting pressure on Russia and Germany uh, in the interests of uh, deterring the the construction of, of Nord Stream 2. But uh, they're no longer doing that. They decided not to do that anymore. And, and the, the last piece has uh, just a week or two ago been put into place. And uh, now we're going into the process uh, in Germany, uh, it's, they said it's a four-month process um, from the regulators to make sure that it complies with German law and that it complies with European Union law. Um, and the U.S. at this point, the only thing that's going on is that the administration has reversed course of U.S. foreign policy on Nord Stream 2 in particular, but um, it has been affecting <clears throat> the... Uh, the nominations from the Biden administration regarding uh, it would be the uh, State Department and also the uh, the Treasury nominees. So that would be Ted Cruz in the Senate, um, basically giving uh, Anthony Blinken a hard time with the, the nominations, and uh, on top of that, giving him a hard time on the Afghanistan topic. But uh, Nord Stream two, 2 is a big thing for for Ted Cruz, and he's he's been using that as a as leverage against uh, the Biden administration in that respect. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not really in a position to do anything about it, though, is he? Other than cry about it, right? At this point, uh, the only thing that I can foresee, I guess, would be that uh, in this. Uh, so to speak, like letting go of the U.S. role in <laughs> in the Nord Stream 2 debate, um, the Germans and the Americans came together and said, uh, "Look, this is going to go forward. It's it's that's we we're going to let that happen." But there are um, some stipulations, and um, um, there's three of them. Let me see if I can have them down. But um, the uh, they would they would maintain Ukraine's transit status. So Ukraine uh, at the moment they're they're crying about it because they have until now been enjoying the role of um, uh, collecting 
uh, transit fees for transiting natural gas from Russia to uh, Central Western Europe. Um, and uh, so they're worried about this uh, money drying up. Uh, but And that agreement is supposed to last until 2024. Um, but uh, the Germans have argued that, okay, look, we, we have Nord Stream 2, we're going to use it, but we're going to try to extend this agreement to continue getting some of our natural gas uh, through Ukraine uh, until 2034. Um, so there's that sort of concession to Ukraine. But then also, and a big thing that the uh, the chancellor has said is that if, and she doesn't think that this is what Russia is using it for, but if Russia uses uh, the natural gas pipeline as what she calls hybrid warfare or some kind of leverage against the West, um, uh, against Ukraine or some flavor of this, um, they would impose new sanctions along with the United States. So it's possible that new sh new sanctions can can arise from this, but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think that uh, that Ted Cruz is in any any position to really do anything except uh, give Tony Blinken a hard time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. Hang on a second. Important business here. I was telling my friend, man, you drink too much. You know it's causing all these other problems. Just smoke weed instead. It's way better for you. And now you can get good smoke in the mail. And it's totally legal just about everywhere in America. It turns out there's a cannabinoid isomer called Delta-8, which is perfectly legal and still gives you that nice little old reverse headache kind of feeling you're used to getting from your guy. Check it out at thehempspot.com, but spell the T-H-C, thehempspot.com. Now double check into the legality in your state, but you should be good. Thehempspot.com is shipping everywhere in America. And during their grand opening through July, use coupon code Horton and get 30% off. And a 10% commission will be paid to the Scott Horton Show for every order using that coupon code. And free shipping on any order over $90. Get your Delta 8 THC cannabis at thehempspot.com. But write THC for thee. Hey guys, Scott Horton here for Mike Swanson's great book, The War State. It's about the rise of the military-industrial complex and the power elite after World War II during the administrations of Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, and Jack Kennedy. It's a very enlightening take on this definitive era on America's road to world empire. The War State by Mike Swanson. Find it in the right-hand margin at scotthorton.org. You know, it's funny, dude. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a subconscious thing. I uh, claimed in some talk I gave, oh, cry me a river over Ukraine getting cut out of the fees here. And then someone poked me for my horrible pun. <laughs> Crimea. But anyways, no, yeah, this is supposed to be a big problem that Ukraine is getting cut out of the thing. But that's fine by me. Um, I mean, I guess I would like to see you know, everyone interdependent on each other's gas pipelines and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But if this is really at the expense, if this is really at the expense of Ukraine's position and particularly, I guess, their position in our order in Eastern Europe, then that's really so much for the better here, you know? 
it's it's also interesting because Poland uh, has the same uh, concerns uh, on the one hand uh, for their own transit fees. I'm not exactly sure where the pipeline goes through in, for Poland, but also in solidarity with uh, Ukraine in a way as as an Eastern European sort of ally. And that's what's interesting there is that um, it shows a little bit of the cracks that have appeared in the past years uh, in the European Union um, and uh, particularly with, with you know Poland and then situation in Hungary. Um, and uh, that's something that the Germans are really uh, also thinking about um, sort of keeping European Union, like the glue, uh, keeping the European Union together, like intact um, there. Yeah. Um, now, have you heard much about the conversation in Germany about how important to them, they think this happens to be, it's just some money making or they're talking the same way you're talking. They're like, Hey, this really creates a major disincentive for violent conflict. Oh no, no, that's, that's, I don't think that's at all what they're thinking that the latter part, but what's extremely interesting is that the, uh, elections are coming up. Uh, what's today? The seven, so in about nine days, the German elections are coming up. And, uh, so, Angela Merkel will no longer be chancellor um, after the results of that, after 16 years or so of uh, being chancellor of Germany. Uh, and all the different parties, uh, a lot of them have, have different uh, takes on the, the Nord Stream 2 and, and like Russia um, question. Uh, so the CDU, which is uh, Angela Merkel's party, um, <clears throat> she, well, they, uh, are they've, they've, they're the ones who, who, who brought this about and, and, you know, greased the skids for Nord Stream 2 to come into existence. So they, they, they are in favor of, of it uh, coming to Germany, uh, connecting Russia and Germany. But it's the, um, it's the Green Party that's been against this. And so um, they, they're against uh, Nord Stream 2, as they say, to be uh, on top of the Russian uh, human rights uh, situation um, to, to really uh, give them a hard time about their human rights uh, violations. And also because as the Green Party, um, they don't uh, want the, uh, you know, carbon emissions to continue on. Um, but uh, in, in that respect, the other left parties are more um, more on top of, of that topic uh, and so, yeah, like we, we don't know what the, the composition of the, the, the next coalition will be in the, in the German parliament, but uh, um, the Greens look like they're, they're, they're coming up and uh, they are they're definitely against Nord Stream 2. But again, I don't think I don't think it can be something that can be stopped um, unless they're ready to, you know, throw a whole bunch of money down the drain or uh, eat those sunk costs, I guess. Um, because the, the process, as I said, by the German regulators is already um, underway. And uh, unless they can put pressure on them and put pressure on the European Union to, uh, to, uh, to tackle that, then I, I guess that is possible because the, Germany and the European Union in general have, have these, these climate uh, goals. And so um, maybe it would be in somebody's interest in European politics to, to, to really... Uh, hammer home that point and, and block Nord Stream 2. Um, 
but you know, it's it's the complicated relationship between uh, Europe and Russia, and also climate uh, agreements mm -hmm. and their their climate goals. God, um, wouldn't as, it be as, ironic <laughs> if that's how the world ends? You know, they shut this project <laughs> down in the name of global warming, and then it right, leads yeah. to violent conflict where. Them H-bombs, yeah, they burn hotter than the sun. I mean, I know just for a second, but that's long enough. Right. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like you look at the context, right? Like, the, do we want um, these? <laughs> it's like it's like people have forgotten about uh, nuclear weapons, right? Uh, because the Ukraine uh, conflict has been largely, uh, you know, on the ground, more or less conventional arms uh, fighting. Um, but in the background... <laughs> Don't ever forget that uh, that nukes um, are a thing, yes. um, and that goes to the, that goes to the same point of uh, you know the the article itself. Like um, people have forgotten, or never may, maybe never have learned uh, of of how horrific, especially the Second World War was uh, between Germany and Russia. Um, that's particularly in the United States. We we don't uh, we don't cover that. Um, enough i mean i grew up playing call of duty and like knowing <laughs> the ins and outs of like street corners in stalingrad um but uh you know maybe that's just like kids grow up playing that and then that sort of fades away into the background they, they know that russia fought but um yeah that always stuck with me that that, that was a horrific thing uh and that's just one battle i mean it's the biggest battle but um the whole eastern front was uh was terrible and it's not forgotten in uh, Germany or Russia so the Germans you know they they have this uh, a, a, a deep memory of the, the Second World War even further back to uh, uh, definitely the times of inflation they, they know about that um, yeah. in the in 1923 um, and then on the Russian side I know much less about the Russian side but I know that every Russian I meet they have a grandparent or somebody in their family who fought in the great patriotic war. So if, if they can, if they can, uh, avoid that kind of invasion in the future, I think they are thinking at all costs to avoid that kind of situation. Um, whereas in Washington, you know, they sit in Capitol Hill, they didn't do any of the reading and, <laughs> and, uh, and they're, they're forgetting that, uh, nuclear weapons are a thing, and they think they can use Ukraine and whatever and the the Baltics to push around uh, Russia for the past thirty years. <laughs> yeah, well, it's amazing, you know, if the Americans practice what they preached at all, or if they even believe what they preached at all, then they'd be encouraging everybody to build pipelines everywhere, and encouraging everywhere. independence and trade between different powers in the world, whether it directly benefits us or not. Don't you know anything about capitalism? We all get the beneficial externalities of these kinds of things. And so, you know, who's against creating more wealth in the world? Not me, but the USA is, unless it's going directly to politically connected corporations or, or interests of some kind. It's crazy. Don't they call that the Washington consensus? Shouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, The Washington exactly. consensus that we, that we have uh, uh, as much uh, trade... Um, linkages as possible in order to avoid conflict but that's you know that's never that's not the that's not the name of the game at all it's just it's just the talk i guess well um listen it's something to celebrate i know it didn't make you know too much news or get too much attention other than probably in the negative 
but I'm with right. you. I think this is absolutely wonderful, and um, I sure hope it lasts, and they can't figure out some stupid way to sabotage it, although I'm sure they'll right. try. Yeah, and then we'll see how the regulations go. And this, it gets into the boring part now, right? It's not. It's no longer. <laughs> it's no longer like in the pending process. It's. It's. It's the uh, the thing is built, and uh, and we'll see um, how the how the lawyers hash it out in the the, the halls of European decision making. I guess. <laughs> yep. Well, you keep close uh, eye on that, and we'll have you back here to keep us updated on how it's going. All right, great. All right, thanks a lot. That's uh, Wayman Chen, everybody, researcher at the Austrian Economic Center. Hey, wait a minute. What's the Austrian Economic Center? Uh, they're a think tank based in uh, Vienna. Um, and oh, uh, I like actually have never... Actual I've actually never Austrian Economic yeah. Center. You can, right, can, yeah. Huh? yeah. I mean, they, 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 their, their goal is the, they, they promote the Austrian School of Economics um, but the funny thing is I've never set foot there because I was supposed to start there in October of last year and uh, the COVID restrictions were uh, particularly harsh and I think they still are. Uh, it's possible to travel there, but it was particularly harsh at the time to uh, to travel to Vienna. So I've been working uh, remotely for them uh, since then, Yeah, writing articles. Yep. Well, great. And um, cool, man. I'll keep you my bookmarks here and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Great. Thanks so much, Scott. All right, you guys. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, you guys, that is Wayman Chen, again, uh, from the Austrian Economic Center, and this one is at medium.com. It's called Nord Stream 2, The Value of German-Russian Cooperation. Oh, I should have said, his medium is called Fun Boat Diplomacy. I like that. The Scott Horton Show and Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.